0: Welcome to the Steve Witt Podcast. Hey, I'm Steve Witt, pastor of Bethel, Cleveland, and excited to be with you today as we continue to talk about the Word. Word has been my topic lately, the Word of God, how it affects our life. I mentioned this past Sunday when I was preaching about my father, and he was a a person who came to know Jesus Christ later in life. and but became very spiritual very quick. He was just passionate. He'd been very successful through his life, but he had regrets. He thought, oh, I wish my life would have been fully devoted to Jesus Christ. So when he became a believer, he started really diving into the Word of God, the Bible. And he learned the Bible, and he would always quote, he had favorite verses like we all do, you know, but one of his favorites was the scripture that says, I say to you, you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I mean, it's the power of the Word of God. And so he'd confess that. That Word brought great encouragement to him. You know, I've spoken of in the past about how when I suffered with cancer and heart disease and different things like that in my life, it was the Bible, the Word of God, that sustain me through some of the darkest moments. One of the best things you can do when you're discouraged, when you're wounded, when you're hurt, when you've been betrayed, when you're sick, is to get a word in your heart, a scripture, and allow that scripture to go deep in your heart. And as you do that, it's going to change everything. I mean, so this past week, we went into Nehemiah, and I talked about Nehemiah 8, where Ezra stood up And when he opened the scrolls of the Word of God, the people who had been away from it so long, you know, you got to realize the people that he's speaking to possibly have not heard Scripture in over 70 years. Many of them have been raised in environments where they had not even heard the Torah, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, historic books, prophets. So they're totally clueless about their history. They maybe could accept what their parents would have told them. They're clueless about the power of the written Word of God. So, Nehemiah stands up and begins to speak as he opens up the scrolls of the Word of God. And when he does, everyone stands up. There was something about a reverential response that took place. They stood up and said, I've got to hear from this powerful book called the Torah. And as he begins to read from this book, they begin to weep. I don't know why they wept. They may have wept because it was so overjoying. It was like tears of joy kind of a thing. Or They may have been weeping because they're feeling their how far they've been from God or their sins. They're, they're conscious of their sins. I'm sure it could be many different things, but as you read through it in Nehemiah chapter 8, it comes to a point where Ezra speaks and says, do not be sorrowful. In fact, he tells him, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those who have nothing prepared. There's sometimes, sometimes your response needs to be weeping. Other times your response needs to be rejoicing. Yes, I was a sinner, but now I've been saved by the power of Jesus Christ so he tells them, after reading the word, now go have lunch together and rejoice, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there's been a tie together of the Word of God and food. That just like, and this is a metaphor that continues throughout Scripture that you consume the Word of God, you eat the bread of life, you eat the scroll, that turns into something bitter or turns into something sweet. So there's something about the power of the Word of God and food is a picture of it that the Scripture actually brings nourishment to your soul. If you do not read Scripture, you are not feeding your soul. If you do not feed your soul, your soul will grow weak. But the taking in of Scripture brings joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amazing. We need that today. Right now in our culture, we're facing so many different things. Uh, I spoke of a little bit on the last podcast, but on this one, I mean, there's 10 great stressors in society. Let me just give you this list real quick. Uh, The top 10, our number uh, one is the death of a spouse. Number two is divorce. Number three is separation. Number four is jail time. Number five is death of a family member. Do you realize the first five greatest stressors involve relationship? Death of a spouse, that's relationship, divorce, relationship, separation from people, jail time is a separation, death of a family member, again, separation. So the five biggest stressors are dealing with uh, a separation from relationship and from people. And uh, then personal injury or illness, marriage, being fired, reconciliation with a mate is stressful. Retirement can be stressful. We think retirement's going to be the panacea. I mean, it's the the thing I've dreamed about my entire life, and yet you get into it and, and you're like, oh, it's not what I thought it was. Uh, unless you've got a plan and you've got people to be around, you've got a mission that you're going to accomplish, the same you is going to be in retirement that's here now in the misery of whatever you're facing now. So these top stressors, how do we deal with this in life? Are we meant to experience stress our entire life? I ran across another list that was kind of interesting, too. It's called the therapist list, and it talks about uh, the top 10 stressors that therapists hear about. Number one is social interactions, knowing that you need to talk with somebody. You're going to a business meeting, or you're going on a date, or a blind date, or whatever it might be, and you're you're stressed out about it because you don't know what to say, and what if I say something stupid, and you know, it, it's stressful. Uh, circle clusters is number two, which is any kind of connecting together in a small—so here we have relationships still are high, in the stress list, even upon a therapist list, failure, death, developing a disease. A lot of people worry about that, and it consumes their life. Spiders. I thought that would be higher on the list, but that's number six. Driving, closed spaces, heights, flying. Everyone you meet every day is facing a major stress Right now, the church is under heavy attack, and our culture is under heavy attack. I mean, right now, in American culture, we are stressed by—I counted 20 right away, and there's many more, but I'll just throw these 20 out. We're stressed constantly by—well, first of all, by news media. News media can really stress you out. You can watch a show, a news show on television, and within moments, be totally stressed out. But we have that. We have so the communication in our culture is stressful. Uh, cancel culture makes it stressful. The fact that what if I say something that's wrong? What if I'm, I'm not up to date on what, what the PC way of communicating is? What's the greatest sensitivities that I need to be expressing right now? It's shutting people up, it's closing them down, it's keeping from true relationships being built between one another. Gender confusion. LBGTQ, there's a stressor connected with that. Pandemic, fossil fuels, remember those? We've got to push toward electricity. I mean, there's a stress on that, even though I think it's less than 3% of the automobiles in America are uh, uh, operated on something else than uh, fossil fuel. And in fact, the electric cars typically are operated by fossil fuels also. The only way we get electricity is from fossil fuels, usually Coal. So we're still in the fossil fuel business, regardless of how it manifests in a vehicle. Sex trafficking, racism, interest rates, elections, supply chain, supply chain. You're not going to be able to get your diapers. You're going to be able to get your food for your children. And, And it was a real problem. Control overreach of government and people and everyone who wants to have their voice heard, trying to control what we think where we're going, what our opinions are. Our president's son, Hunter, stress. You got the, the January 6th controversy of the so-called insurrection, stress. Crime is, is outrageously high right now. Violence. We've got immigrants flooding the southern border. People, I love immigrants. My wife's an immigrant. I want more immigrants, but we need to know who they are. They can't just flood across the border. Nations get destroyed. Talk to someone who lived through the Roman Empire, and you'll find that out. I haven't talked to anyone, but I have read some of Augustine's stuff, and they're very concerned about the wanton immigration coming into the Roman Empire that eventually was part of the collapse of that empire. The nuclear families under attack. Stress, stress, stress. Political extremes, drugs, terrorism, inflation, it goes on and on and on. I know you're feeling a little stressed just by me mentioning these things, but it's it's where we are. Who, who will remain steady in this storm that America's in? Who will have wisdom in a time of need? Who will prosper when the heat is turned on? And it's being turned on right now, I'm telling you. It's the people who are implanted with the Word of God. There's so much in Scripture about about the Word of God and about the implanting of the Word of God. I mean, Proverbs says, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. In other words, pay attention to the Bible. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Is this what is springing out of your heart? Is it life or death? Deuteronomy says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we start to control our self-thought, which is what you're saying to yourself, your self-talk. I mean, sometimes we talk ourselves into horrible situation, to talk ourselves into depression or discouragement or whatever. God's calling us to implant ourselves with the Word of God. You know, one thing we don't really realize—I'm going to cover this more in a future podcast—but how brainwashed we've become in our culture. I mean, between all the great companies—and I'm not criticizing the the companies—they're trying to sell a product, they're trying to sell a system, they're trying to sell an ideology, a thought, a way, a means— And so they do that by driving something deep into your heart and surrounding you by it. So you're being surrounded by an ideology. You think you're thinking on your own, but you've been programmed to do it. You buy those potato chips because you've seen them, you've heard them, you've felt about it, you've heard the crunch, you've seen the commercials, and you're compelled to do it when you go to the store. Hey, you also like the potato chips, but hey, you've been programmed to do it. And our children right now are being programmed to accept some things that may not be in alignment alignment with the values that you hold personally. And so the Word of God becomes a standard. The Word of God is an anchor. The Word of God is a fortress that we run to. The Word of God is solid. It is immovable. It is true. And it will build your life on a rock, the Word of God When your life is built on the rock of hearing and doing the Word of God, you shall not be moved. Though the winds come and the waves come, you shall not be moved. Why? Because you built your life on the Word of God. If you build your life on sand, it's compared in Scripture to building your life on everything but the Word of God, man's wisdom, whatever it might be. And when the wind and waves come, the house on the sand goes splat. It crashes. Your life, your legacy, your destiny, who you are as a person can collapse quickly if you've not built yourself on the Word of God. And a lot of American Christians have ignored the Word of God, the Bible. You might hear a little sermon, you know, on a podcast or watch it on live stream. Those are good things. that keep you energized. You, hopefully, you're hearing and learning the Word of God on those various uh, aspects of how you're hearing God's Word. But at the end of the day, you know when you're tested, when the test comes, do you stand strong in the midst of that test? You've got to plant yourself. You've got to plant the Word of God inside of you. Psalms 1 h- indicates that when you plant it, you're like a tree planted by living waters, sustained, strong. Bearing fruit in and out of season. When you're not into the Word of God, when you've not put the Word of God into you, you're like a a bush that's blowing around in a wilderness. Has no substance. Has no root. And when the things come against it, uh, it will burn. It will not prosper. It will not bear fruit. So we look at the Word of God, and these people are coming out of captivity in Ezra and Nehemiah in Scripture. 70 years in captivity, coming out, they're hearing the Word of God. Their heart is being stirred. They've already been stirred by prophetic word by Nehemiah when he called them to build the walls back up. They built that, but now Ezra is wanting to build a different wall. The walls of your soul. And so he's calling for the walls of your soul. I'm amazed in my own life, the words of Scripture— That have been quoted to me, that I've run across, that have been prophesied over me in my life, that sustained me and even encouraged me, gave me hope for the future that I may be going through a difficult time, but I will get on the other side of this difficult time. I remember I was, it was in the fall of 1995. God was moving powerfully in my life, and and I was just uh, in between two different decisions in my life. And I was deciding whether to stay in Canada, where I'd been for, at that time, almost nine years. Should I stay here, or should I go back to the United States, where I was from? We'd had a great run in Canada. We pulled together a great church by the grace of God, and magnificent people and we had some amazing conferences where we ministered to an entire region of the country. We had prayed corporately for Quebec not to secede from Canada and it did not. I was part of a national prayer selected to represent Canada over my province in New Brunswick, Canada, prayed on a national broadcast on television at that time, and sure enough the Lord rescued the nation. So We've, we were having a great time, but I, but I knew a change was coming and a time was coming for shift. But I needed the Word of God. And I love prophetic words, but sometimes I need to find myself in Scripture. I love what Bill Johnson says when you're going through something, begin to read until you, you hear your voice in Scripture. You know, you know this is your scenario. I love the idea that sometimes we superimpose ourselves on biblical characters. I'm a Jeremiah, you know. I'm in a weeping moment. I'm being persecuted. <laughs> I'm a Gideon. I'm believing that even though I'm small, we're going to come against this giant. The odds are against us, but God's given me confirmation over and over and over again. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna stand in the midst of this battle. I'm a David facing a Goliath. Even our culture adopts these terms. It's a, it's a Davidic David a Goliath conflict and you know right away okay it's it's outmatched in the natural Goliath obviously is a lot bigger but but David with God on his side is bigger than any giant and the giants come falling down and so we have all these people in scripture in Israel that we can superimpose ourselves into and say i'm a i'm a job right now a lot of people like to <laughs> take on Job and say, I'm a Job. I'm going through horrible moments. Well, the good news is Job came out of it with double what he had before. So let's confess that. Let's not confess the difficulty all the time. Let's begin to speak from the Word of God. I'm a Job that's coming out into a new place. I'm a Daniel that's walking through a, a, a lion's den, and I will not be consumed by the lion. I'm a Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, I'm going through the fire, but there's a fourth one in the fire. It's Jesus with me, and I will come out on the other side. Start confessing. When you're doing that, you are bringing incarnate the very Word of God into you and into your life. I'm like a John. I want to lean my head on the chest of Jesus. I'm like Peter. I want to stand firm in the midst of, of fears and doubts. I'm a, I'm a Jonah that's been swallowed up by something, but by the grace of God, I will be delivered. This is how you put the Word of God into your life, but you've got to know it. You've got to know it to recall it. The Holy Spirit will help you, but you, David said he hides the Word of God in his heart that he may not sin against God. That's, that Word that is hidden in you has a sustainable ability to give you hope for your future. I remember in 1995, when I was trying to face this difficulty that I was facing, I really had no idea that God would use a prophet and scripture to do it. I was in Florida. This powerful prophet named Bill Hammond came up to me, and uh, he was kind of I, Bill Hammond was a powerful prophetic voice. Man, he just preached his prophecies right into the marrow of your bones, you know. And he was going on his long prophecies, like 15 minutes long. I was listening to it the other day. And he says, you've camped around this mountain long enough. And he said it with force, like it went right to the marrow of your bones, (laughs) the marrow of your bones. And he said, you've camped around this mountain long enough. Long enough, and I knew what I meant. I mean, it could have been any other time in my life I'd have said what what is my mountain right now and i'm why am I camping around it and you know I need to get up and seize the promises of God. This is all scriptural content, and so he's speaking scripture. I remember Mary, the mother of jesus her her magnificat magnificat was her song of thanksgiving of being impregnated by the grace of the holy spirit by the to the to to bring forth the son of god jesus himself she goes into a song that is a uh, a a blending together of fractions of scripture some believe it was 17 different fragments of scripture as she put together in her spontaneous song to god that means she knew a lot of Scripture verses, and they came out in her time of worshiping, her time of desperation, maybe some fear, anticipations, nervous anticipations. The Word of God came out, you know why? Because it was fed in her soul. She was a good Jew who attended the synagogue weekly. When she was near the temple, she went to the temple. She probably went there four or five times a year for feasts and tabernacles uh, of of, uh, celebration, All these things happened. She knew the Word of God, and in this time, the Word of God came out of her. It gives you hope. It gives you a future. It gives you a destiny. The implanted Word of God brings joy and hope in your life. Are you getting this? Wherever you are right now, whatever you're facing, divorce, bankruptcy, rejection, woundedness, emotional difficulty, panic attacks— Physical sickness that is debilitating. Whatever you're facing, the Word of God implanted in your heart is going to bring you out of this thing victorious. You know, at that same time I got that word in the fall of 95 about being camped around this mountain long enough, it applied so much into my life. The same prophet then went into another biblical metaphor, connection, with my life. He said, you're in the valley of dry bones, bone under bone, dry bones, bone under bone. He's quoting out of Ezekiel. He says, there's a shaking coming. You've seen it. And I had seen it. I'd seen a lot of people shaken, literally physically shaken by the power of God through the Toronto blessing that came out of Toronto. And so he's prophesying into a reality of what I was experiencing. He said, there's a shaking. You've seen it. A mighty army is being raised up. A mighty army is being raised up. So there's promise that what's going on in my life is going to amount to something else. That's what the Word of God does. It puts you into Scripture. You may be in a place of Scripture right now. That's why I read Scripture every day. I try to read it every day, and I do most days, because I know I am feeding my soul. I know that my spirit's being strengthened, and I know that as I feed my soul, this isn't Shakespeare, this is the Word of God, it is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is growing in my spirit, and in times of need, it comes out. Get the Word of God into your spirit. Confess the Word of God. We love all the coaches and motivational speakers. I love Tony Robbins, and um, there's just so many great coaches out there, especially today, and their words are encouraging, and they'll, they'll get you stirred up for a period. But let me tell you, the eternal Word of God will set you up for a life of success. It may not all be easy. In fact, it will not all be easy. I love what Mike Bickle from IHOP, Kansas City, used to say. He said, life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. So we go through difficult moments. But Wow. God is good. He shows himself strong. Your life is hidden in the Bible. Get that Bible open. Start studying it, and you're going to find out where you are in Scripture. Psalm 1 talks about it. It's all through Scripture. Psalm 1 says that, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So there you go. Walks stands, sits, where you walk, where you stand, and where you sit. You can be happy. Blessed is the man. You can be happy if you choose wisely where you walk, stand, and sit. Your delight is in the law of the Lord, verse 2. And in his law, you meditate day and night. So there's a delight. Happy is the man or, or woman who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, he shall be like a tree. I love that. He shall be like a tree. What? Planted. The word of God will plant you by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, And whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because the law has been planted in his day, in his life, day and night through meditation. And he becomes a tree that is planted also. The implanting of the word of God plants you by a river, a river of the spirit that brings life and you will prosper and you will not wither. The ungodly are not so, the Bible says in verse 4 of chapter 1 of Psalms, but are like the chaff or a straw which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The word of God is necessary in your life. It gives you hope, it gives you joy. Stand in the Word of God. Let's finish with this, a confession that I've been saying for years. I'll say it. You repeat it after me. Everybody ready? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. The anointing I received abides in me. The anointing breaks every yoke. I receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me to be his witness. His word, which comes out of my mouth, will not return void, but will accomplish his purpose, and prosper in the thing which it was sent. I know my God. I am strong. I will do exploits. As he is, so am I in this world. Blessings to you on this day from Steve Witt. And may this week be an amazing, prosperous, blessed week. Why? because you planted the Word of God into your heart. Have a great week.